1: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
2: That day was full of laughs. We got there, the energy was great. My whole family was there.
3: I think I made all the games and the homecoming, we were all, uh, we were all there. We had driven up and we were there to see the game. DJ, he was my shadow. (laughs) He and I were together all the time. My family's uh, really close, really close, always been really close.
4: We are like a, um, our own little universe, the five of us.
2: Dad called him DJ. Mom would call him Danny.
4: Danny, always. He was... Uh,
3: the surrogate dad to his siblings. They looked up to him.
2: I struggled with math as a high school student, and he'd be the first one to sit down and be like, okay, well, let's figure it out.
4: He, um, was, oh my gosh. (laughs) A joy, a Pied Piper in the neighborhood. All of the kids loved him. The biggest smile you've ever seen in a very gentle spirit. We had driven up there the same day, watched the game, hung out, and then drove back home.
3: So very early in the morning, I was startled awake, and I said to Angela, someone is at the door. It was uh, two police officers. They said, Mr. Henry, your son has been in an accident. He handed me a, a slip of paper and said, you need to call this number.
4: The nurse on the phone said, Are you Mrs. Henry? I said, Yes. I heard my son was in an accident. Then I kept saying, Well, what happened? What happened? And she said, He was shot. And I said, Who would shoot him? I, I can't I can't understand who would shoot him.
3: The nurse gave the phone to the one of the attending physicians who got on the phone and said he died. I remember just falling to my knees.
5: DJ Henry was a 20-year-old Pace University junior back in October of 2010 when he was fatally shot in his car.
6: I heard what sounded like firefighters, and I heard a car screech. I didn't think anything of it. Homecoming, someone's probably had fireworks. The last thing I thought about was what ended up being the case. Everybody wasn't buying the original story. It immediately didn't fit together,
7: so I had suspicions from day one people believed fervently that
1: they knew what happened and whenever you hear of a a case like this you can't believe first impressions
7: something really significant
8: happened in this car do you keep evidence from every case that you handle
7: this was an unusual situation i needed it to be here so perhaps a day like today would come
4: when we could tell the story of what really happened here I never thought in a million years it would turn out the way it did.
3: We don't need some version of the story that protects one side or the other.
4: Our whole goal was to just get the truth.
8: in the early morning of october 17th 2010 it was early uh, it was after the midnight hour the serenity of dan and angela henry's home in eastern massachusetts was shattered with the unfathomable news that their eldest son dj had been shot to death
3: and i think they heard me scream that he died and came back down
4: and i just remember laying on the floor crying And Kyle came over and stood over me, and he just grabbed my shoulders and he said, Mom, look at me, it's gonna be okay.
8: Their younger son, Kyle. We just rushed out of the house. I don't even remember if we locked anything up. I didn't even have shoes on. The drive from Easton to the Westchester County Medical Center in New York was over three hours. We didn't want
3: him there by himself, and so we, we prayed all the way.
8: What was it like when you got to the hospital?
4: As soon as we saw him, we all just screamed and cried. And Dan grabbed him and just held him and talked to him, prayed with him, told him that we loved him.
3: To see your brother, the person you grew up with my whole life, has been with him. And then you see this person lifeless, and it was the most horrifying thing I've ever seen in
9: my life.
4: He had scrapes and scratches and cuts that he didn't have. I just couldn't believe it.
8: The Henry's daughter, Amber, got to the hospital later.
2: So my mom came out of the doors. She said, "Um, I need to come take you to say goodbye. It was definitely a moment I I knew, I knew right there that my life was going to change.
8: The life the Henry's built was an American dream. Dan, an Ivy League graduate, enjoyed a successful career as a human resources executive.
4: His wife, Angela, made the choice to stay home with their three children. So We knew right away that we wanted to to work as hard as we could to provide for our children a stable home, two parents.
8: Amber, a recent college graduate, is the youngest.
2: We are so full of love, and we just want the best for each and every one.
3: Of
8: us. Kyle, an independent music artist, is in the middle. Always had each other's backs, always been
3: very strong in each other's lives. In the cafeteria right now. The cafeteria.
8: Danny, a handsome student athlete, was the oldest.
4: When he played sports, there was inevitably another Dan or Danny. And so Dan started calling him DJ.
8: DJ embraced his family so much that it inspired him to get a tattoo. His first tattoo was family first.
3: I looked down and saw what he did and said, oh, that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was well played. <laughs> <laughs> the kid DJ. He's an amazing kid. He wasn't perfect. but Man, was he a good guy with immense promise.
8: So what happened? How did the Henry's end up in a hospital, crying over their 20-year-old son's body? Dan called the police investigator in charge and was floored by what he was told.
3: So he said DJ was trying to run over two police officers and that they had to shoot him
8: to stop him. The Henry's were dumbfounded. They knew DJ was out celebrating with friends after homecoming, But they could not imagine their son running down police with his car.
3: Something had to have happened if that happened. Like, what caused him to do something that's so outside of his character?
8: And Brandon affirmed for us that he didn't. Brandon Cox, DJ's best
4: friend, was also at the hospital. Brandon came in and sat down next to Danny's bed, and he just said, he didn't deserve this. From what the
8: Henrys could piece together, DJ... Brandon and another friend were in D.J.'s car waiting outside of a bar and police asked them to move out of a fire lane. Brandon said they weren't doing anything and that out of
3: the clear blue some guy flashes across with a gun and starts shooting and then before he knows it he's on the car
8: and he's shooting at them. Brandon was sitting next to D.J. in the car. He was shot in the arm but escaped serious injury.
4: And we said, Brandon, we need to know everything. And and Brandon said, no, we were driving, we were leaving. And he just kept saying he didn't deserve this.
8: The family wanted answers, and that morning headed to the Mount Pleasant police station just hours after saying goodbye to their son. And we wanted to look him in the eyes and
3: just say, you know, you need to know a little bit about our son.
8: What the Henrys did not know is that the police chief Louis Alagno had already conducted a press conference implicating their son.
9: At about 1 20 a.m. this morning, Mount Pleasant police received a call of a disturbance. I response to Finnegan's fight in progress.
8: Alagno said several police officers responded to a fight at Finnegan's Grill, a local bar about two miles from Pace University's campus. Reportedly, unruly patrons had spilled into the parking lot.
6: Never It's just a large gathering of uh, the bar outside.
8: According to Alagno, when a policeman approached the car in the fire lane, the vehicle sped off and struck an officer.
9: For no known reason, a vehicle that had been parked in the fire lane near Finnegan's Grill accelerated from the scene. Village Pleasantville officer attempted to stop that vehicle. That vehicle struck that officer. He was propelled onto the hood. Got down. Goodbye vehicle.
8: Alagno said the car continued to accelerate, and the officer on the hood of the car shot the driver. That driver was D.J. Henry.
9: I'm truly saddened by the events that occurred this evening. My condolences go out to the family of the young man that died in this event.
8: The Henrys didn't want condolences. They wanted to know how Chief Alagno could make a public statement about their son, without talking to them first. And you asked the question that they would conduct a press conference without even having talked with you as family, and the response was? That's what the
3: officers on the scene told me happened, basically. And we pressed and said, look, we want, to, we want
8: truth. What we want is truth. That moment began a long legal journey that would take the Henrys from a strip mall in New York all the way to the United States Department of Justice.
3: We're not anti police. We're just trying to understand what the facts tell us. Was it a justified shooting or was it not justified? Because if it wasn't, it was
0: murder. A sense of safety is important to everyone. And that's why I want to talk to you about Simply Safe. It's an advanced security system that protects your entire home so you can rest easy. Simply Safe is completely customizable with advanced sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. You can have 24/7 professional home monitoring for less than $1 a day. So try Simply Safe for 60 days risk-free. If you don't love it, you can return your system for a full refund. Plus, we're offering listeners 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Don't wait. Visit simplysafe.com slash 48 hours. That's simplysafe.com slash 48 hours. There's no safe like simply safe. 48 hours listeners know to always expect the unexpected, including when home appliances break down. An American Home Shield warranty can restore your sense of security. It's simple. When a covered item in your home breaks, contact American Home Shield and their trusted and qualified pros. We'll fix or replace it. Right now, you could take 20% off. Go to ahs.com slash 48 to save 20%. That's ahs.com slash 48 for 20% off any plan. For more details, see ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty, which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer. American Home Shield, don't worry, be warranty.
7: WCBS Newstime 104. Police in Westchester in the community of Mount Pleasant, fire at a speeding vehicle killing the driver, identified as a Pace University student.
3: We were pushing hard against a very strong
8: current In those early days because they beat us out there with a narrative and that narrative as dj's parents saw it was that police were blaming dj for his own death good morning everyone the day after dj was killed chief lewis alagno held a second press conference and gave more details
9: the pleasantville officer that was involved was police officer aaron hess Police Officer Haas was the officer that ended up on the hood of the deceased vehicle. Officer Haas drew his pistol and fired into the vehicle.
8: And, he said, DJ was accelerating toward a second officer, Ronald Beckley, who had also fired at his car.
9: Another officer, Mount Pleasant Officer Beckley, was also standing in the fire lane as his vehicle drove towards him. He also discharged his weapon at the vehicle.
3: The effort clearly was to villainize our son. It was to make him seem like a criminal thug that needed to
8: be stopped. But DJ's friends say that is not how it happened.
10: We weren't doing anything wrong. We were were in the wild, wild west. That's what it felt like.
8: DJ's teammate, Desmond Hines, was in the car that night with DJ, Brandon, and two other friends who went to Finnegan's. As long as the football team was together,
10: that's where we wanted to be, having fun.
8: After that fight broke out, the bartender called police and soon six officers arrived. DJ and his passengers were not involved and they headed to the doors. So it seemed a little bit early but the lights came on and
11: uh, the bouncers were telling everybody to get out and I heard... heard DJ's friend Brandon Cox.
8: They said it's done, it's done, so we're leaving. You can see DJ here in security footage just minutes before he was shot. DJ, Brandon, and Desmond waited outside in DJ's car for their two other friends. Brandon was in the front seat. As they were waiting, he remembers an officer tapping on the back window, asking them to move.
11: And he started to make a forward motion to move forward. That's when DJ puts the car into drive and uh, starts to pull away. He just pulled off slowly. And so where we were parked, it was like there was like a, a curve in the in the roadway. As we come around that curve, I can see somebody running from in between those two cars with their gun raised.
10: I look and I see this dance. Two hands on something. I never, I didn't see the gun. Two hands.
8: Pointed at? Pointed at the vehicle. Within seconds, that somebody, Officer Hess, was up on the hood shooting. I could feel
11: something hit my arm. At that moment... Not sure what's going on, not sure what it is, and I'm just ducking down to just try to get out of harm's way.
8: Brandon and Desmond both say they never saw that second officer, Ronald Beckley, at all. I didn't hear anything. It was like everything was silent, but I
10: just saw bullet holes after bullet holes. There was three or four total.
8: At least one bullet hit the seat next to Desmond. Brandon had that graze wound to the arm, and DJ was shot twice through his lungs and his heart
11: DJ goes they shot me they shot me
10: and then he just made this moan this moan that I will never forget
8: DJ's car crashed into a parked cruiser and stalled to a stop here two officers took DJ out handcuffed him and laid him on the ground Desmond remembers being pulled out by yet another officer and he slammed me on
10: the ground. And I go, officer, we did absolutely nothing wrong. And he had a gun, and he pointed it to the back of my head. He said, shut the up. And at that point,
8: I thought I was going to die.
6: I was asking everyone, what happened? What happened?
8: Daniel Parker was friends with Desmond and DJ from the football team.
6: And no one said anything. You know, everyone was just, like, staring.
8: He came out of Finnegan's shortly after hearing a disturbance outside. Cell phone video shot by a fellow student captured that scene. Daniel spotted Desmond here on the sidewalk, also in handcuffs.
6: I was like, Desmond, are you okay? And he was saying, like, they shot DJ.
8: This is dash cam video from a cruiser that pulled in after the shooting. On the right is Officer Hess, Behind him is DJ lying in the road.
6: You know, I saw that no one was by him. And I was looking, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, what's happening right now? Why why is no one helping him?
8: The first person to try and revive DJ was this woman in the white sweater, a civilian.
6: I saw her struggling to try to give him compressions. And I was like, hey, you know, that's my teammate. Can I go help him? I said, I'm CPR certified. Can I help him? No answers. It's like get the f- back. And it's like eyes was open. I saw like, blood in his mouth. And that's the moment I was like, y'all f- killed him. Daniel
8: says after saying that he was also thrown to the ground and handcuffed. Ten long minutes had elapsed from that first call about the shooting before DJ was finally hooked up to a defibrillator. In the days after losing their eldest son. Dan and Angela Henry had to confront more than just their grief. They were facing two very different versions of events, one from the police and another from DJ's friends.
3: So we immediately had a conflict. Clearly we knew we needed to have counsel, but I needed a really good local attorney who
8: who would push hard to get at truth. The Henrys hired Michael Sussman a legendary civil rights attorney from New
7: York. And I remember in that first meeting, Dan looking at me and saying to me, I don't want to make this about race. I don't want that to be the narrative. I want to understand the details of why it happened. Officer
8: Hess, his knee badly injured, was also taken to the hospital that night. And soon he, too, had a lawyer of his own.
1: He doesn't see himself as some kind of hero, Aaron Hess is a
8: victim. See more crowd videos from the night of the shooting on Facebook at 48 hours.
6: We gathered together to talk about being a catalyst for change. Let us pray together.
2: I have to get up every day without him. I have to come home to an empty room. I'll often stare at his picture and just, I'll just talk to him. I'll just sit there and just really try to absorb the fact that this is how I'm supposed to be living now.
8: In the months after DJ's death, As his family grieved, the Westchester District Attorney's Office began an investigation, standard procedure at the time. In January of 2011, they convened a grand jury to see if Officer Hess should be charged with any crime. D.J.'s father, Dan Roy, was called to testify.
3: The only questions I was asked two weeks before the grand jury wrapped up was, did I know that D.J. uh, drank occasionally?
8: That's it. A month later, Mr. Henry got a call. Aaron Hess was not indicted on any charge.
3: The DA's office in Westchester County executed a sham.
8: Pretty it, strong words.
3: Yeah, it was uh, that, that's that's what they did and if I could think of a stronger word I'd use it.
7: The gentleman was not charged with anything. Criminally negligent homicide, manslaughter, murder, anything. There should have been a charge and there should have been a criminal trial. The Henry should have had the if you will, the satisfaction, not that it's much satisfaction, of believing that their son's life had that much value.
8: Hours after the grand jury decision, after Sussman's repeated urging, the U.S. Department of Justice began a separate investigation looking into a possible civil rights violation, a federal crime. Weeks later, Hess's union named him Officer of the Year. They said afterwards the award was not meant to be public.
4: They wanted to do that privately to boost Aaron Hess's morale.
8: To boost
3: the officers' Because he had morale. been through a lot.
8: Because he had been through a lot. While the Department of Justice was looking into the case, the Henrys filed wrongful death suits against Aaron Hess, the village of Pleasantville, where Hess worked, and the town of Mount Pleasant, where DJ was shot.
5: Here's your right hand, face. In
8: August 2012, nearly two years after D.J.'s death, Hess came to the U.S. District Courthouse in Westchester for a deposition in the wrongful death cases.
7: Were you the first police officer on the scene?
8: Yes. With their attorney, Michael Sussman, asking questions, Dan and Angela Henry were there. It was really, really important to us to be in the room.
3: We wanted to look in the eye of the guy that shot our son. We wanted to hear him tell us why, to to see his face, to have him look us in the eye, to see Danny when he looked us in the eyes.
12: That night specifically was a bad night. I only reacted to what I thought, that I was going to be killed.
4: Originally, I was worried that I was going to go in there and be just filled with anger, but I saw him and I just, I didn't feel anything for him.
8: At the time D.J. was killed, in 2010, Aaron Hess was 33 years old, married, and expecting twins. He had served four years in the Marines and had been a police officer since 2000, first in New York City and later for his hometown of Pleasantville, New York. That was Aaron Hess, well-liked. Brian Sokoloff
1: represents Aaron Hess. Up until October 17, 2010, he had never fired his weapon in the line of duty.
6: Response uh, Finnegan's, fight in progress.
8: Hess arrived at Finnegan's shortly after the call went out about the fight. When that officer tapped on DJ's window, Hess says he was standing in the parking lot, about 30 feet away.
1: Aaron Hess, who's around the bend, observes three things happen simultaneously. A, he hears an engine rev. B, he hears an officer yell, stop that car or stop that vehicle. And he sees an officer get turned off balance. Turned
8: off balance, suggesting that? Suggesting that something was amiss. Hess says that's why he stepped across the road to face DJ's car as it drove toward him. Could you determine its rate of speed? fast.
1: He puts up his hand and yells, stop, stop. The car doesn't stop. He draws his weapon.
7: Why didn't you move out of the way of the vehicle?
12: Because I thought the vehicle was going to stop.
7: Why did you believe that?
12: I believe it was going to stop because every other vehicle I've asked to stop in my career have stopped. As the vehicle was coming towards me, I lunged forward as it hit my legs. At that time as I was on the hood, the engine revved up again and seemingly, it seemed to me that I was trying to get thrown off the vehicle. At that time is when I uh, I fired my weapon.
8: As he was shooting, Hess says he could not see anyone inside the car.
7: Who did you aim at?
12: The center mass of the driver.
7: So you saw the driver?
12: I saw the silhouette. I didn't physically see a driver.
8: It wasn't until they were both lying in the road, Hess says, that he first saw DJ.
12: The first time I observed the driver, he was face down handcuffed.
7: Could you tell whether he was alive? No. Could you see whether he was breathing? No. Now, what were you doing at that point?
12: Uh, lie, lying on the ground as well.
7: Was anyone tending to you at that point? Go. Want to take a break?
12: Just give, give me a second. Sure. Take your time.
1: I'd like somebody to tell me what other alternative Aaron Hess had on the hood of a moving vehicle other than trying to save his own life or closing his eyes and saying his prayers.
7: Did you hear any comments or remarks about his status on the scene? Yes. What did you hear?
12: I heard someone say he's dead.
8: Aaron Hess did not return to work after the shooting. He was on paid medical leave for two years, then retired with disability for his knee injury at the scene. Then, a few weeks after Hess was first deposed, the Henrys found support from a very surprising source. Four, three, fired, officers out. That second officer, whom Chief Alagno had said
7: also fired at DJ's car. Ronald Beckley, he was willing to go against
5: the script to try to stand up for what was true. If you're a fan of 48 Hours or true crime, looking to try on a case of your own, June's Journey is for you. A thrilling hidden object mystery game set against the backdrop of the 1920s, you play as June Parker, an amateur detective trying to unravel your sister's mysterious murder. As you dive into a world filled with twists and turns, trust no one. Every character could be hiding secrets. While you piece together the intricately woven plot, you'll collect crucial information in your photo album, turning suspicions into facts. And if you want help on the case, you can even join a detective club to collaborate or compete with fellow sleuths on hundreds of puzzles. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
1: Terms apply.
8: The Henry's lawyer, Michael Sussman, is determined to keep DJ Henry's memory alive in the driveway of his home. Why do you keep
7: this car? The car is a tangible representation of what happened. And when you see the bullet holes and you see the situation with the axle of the car here and the the wheel, You have a very clear, constant reminder of what happened. And I think that's very important to the truth-telling process.
8: That truth, says Sussman, would come out during the wrongful death suits in the testimony of one brave police officer. Officer Ron Beckley. Mm.
7: Who is he? He's an American hero.
8: Ronald Beckley directly refuted the official version
7: put out by his own department. In fact, the police chief's version was that D.J. Henry was threatening Beckley. Which Beckley disavowed and said, this is not what happened. According to sworn testimony in those wrongful death
8: suits, Mount Pleasant police officer Ronald Beckley arrived on the scene that night and fired his weapon for the first time in his 30-year career at Aaron Hess.
7: He sees a person, as he described it, in dark clothing jumping on a vehicle. And he takes out his weapon and he fires a shot because he sees the person jumping on the vehicle as the aggressor and believes that that person is shooting and endangering other people and he has to try to stop him.
8: Beckley did not realize that Hess was a fellow officer. Within hours of the incident... Beckley reported his account to his superiors. The but the official version from Chief Louis Alagno misrepresented Beckley's Pauling. version, leaving the impression that Beckley was shooting at D.J.
9: Henry. Another officer, Mount Pleasant Officer Beckley, was also standing in a fire lane as his vehicle drove towards him. He also discharged his weapon at the vehicle. He was
7: willing to go against the script to try to stand up for what was true. When Ronald
4: Beckley did that, it was an answer to prayer.
7: Aaron Hess's
8: lawyer, Brian Sokolov, says Beckley is no hero and that he broke department
12: rules.
1: Officers are forbidden from firing at a moving vehicle. Instead of saying he was firing at the moving vehicle, he then says, I was firing at Aaron Hess.
7: Mr. Beckley didn't lie. Mr. Beckley showed tremendous courage both at the scene and afterwards because... The Blue Code of Silence does exist. And Beckley knew, in a certain sense, that his career was over.
8: Ronald Beckley retired three months after D.J. Henry's death. He was denied a full disability pension.
7: The person who apologized to the Henrys, the person who cried with the Henrys, was Officer Ronald Beckley, who said to them in my presence, I wish I could have stopped this and broke down.
8: And then there is the question of how fast D.J. Henry was driving. Michael Sussman gave us this video of a test conducted by Westchester County Police. In it, D.J.'s car is shown accelerating to where Aaron Hess was standing. But D.J.'s friends made it clear that he was driving slowly.
10: I would say maybe 15, 10 to 15 miles per hour.
8: Nothing exactly. reckless? Nothing reckless. Nothing dangerous? No. Not endangering anybody? You saw no pedestrians
11: at all? Nope, there were no pedestrians in the way. There was, there was nothing blocking our, blocking our path.
7: Initially, what was told to me by the DA's office was that there were a group of civilians who were crossing the path in the parking lot. And that the thought was he had to stop this car from running over those civilians. And when we started pulling it apart, no one could ever identify these civilians, where they were, why, how Hess knew anything about them. I mean, it just, it, there was no justification. It made no sense. Did
8: he, Officer Hess, not have the option, the alternative of getting out of the way? No,
1: not at the time that he felt his life was in danger. So no room to, to maneuver. Not once he felt his life was in danger.
8: However, Michael Sussman says this security video from the parking lot that night shows the brake lights of DJ Henry's car as he was nearing Aaron Hess.
7: He was slowing down. So I don't have to rely on a million eyewitnesses. I have the video showing the slowdown. I have the bullet holes. DJ was every young man. DJ was not doing anything that was out of character, out of ordinary just wasn't. But just after D.J.'s death, a
8: toxicology report was leaked to the press that showed his blood alcohol level at .13. That means D.J. would have been impaired that night.
7: The Henry's lawyer disputes that. The bar owner who we spoke to and all the other people we spoke to about D.J. in that bar said he had nothing to drink in the bar.
11: I did not see him have one drink at Finnegan's. The entire evening? The entire evening that I was
8: there. According to DJ's friends, he did have one drink earlier in the evening, back at the dorm. That night, I witnessed him having one drink. That's it? That was it. In a video from the bar that night, DJ does not appear to be impaired.
7: I didn't see him wobbly. I didn't see him behaving in any kind of aberrant or unusual way whatsoever.
8: Brian Sokoloff insists the toxicology report proves that D.J. was breaking the law and had a reason for trying to leave the parking lot quickly. He
1: did have a fake ID. He was intoxicated. We produced a report by a, an eminent toxicologist. Th- there's no other evidence on this. There's been no other report, no other expert contradicts this. For
7: those who say D.J. Henry was drunk, okay, let me make something very clear. No officer at that scene had any knowledge of D.J.'s drinking. So he wasn't acting like he was drunk if he was drunk, and we have no real reason to believe he was. It's that simple. I want to make this clear. We are not
1: looking to demonize Damroy Henry, who tragically lost his life that night. An officer is entitled to protect his own life. And that's the answer. D.J. was
7: devalued. It's the simplest way to put it. He was some kind of common criminal who was handcuffed, thrown to the gutter.
8: Mm. Through their pain, as the wrongful death suits dragged on, the Henrys were still waiting to see if the justice department would bring criminal charges in their son's case.
3: We just wanted to know if he was if he was justified in taking our son's life.
10: See more evidence photos
8: at 48hours.com. These are DJ's
4: ashes. Burberry was his favorite, so that's why we have this Burberry finish. Mm-hmm. And then someone gave us this angel, which we felt was fitting to,
8: to be here. By 2015, it had been four years since the Justice Department began its investigation. The Henry's hopes were with then-U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara.
3: And he said, look, I'm not afraid to prosecute these things. I'll take them on. You should know. I'm not afraid to do it. So we
7: were hopeful But they were warned that it wouldn't be easy. He said to us that the standard for prosecution was a high standard known as willfulness. There had to be a willful violation of civil rights. So you saw the driver? I saw the
8: silhouette. Proving willfulness would be hard because Aaron Hess said he could only see a silhouette when he made the choice to shoot D.J. Henry from point-blank range.
1: Aaron Hess could not see into the car. He did not know the race, the gender, the age of anybody
8: in the car. Do you think that the events of October 17th, 2010, would have unfolded differently if the occupants of the car were white? Absolutely not. The Henry's did not get the result they sought. They chose not to pursue federal civil rights charges. There were no charges. The U.S. Attorney found that Aaron Hess had to make a split-second decision, and the law allows latitude for an officer's judgment. Despondent after exhausting all criminal options, in 2016 the Henrys decided to settle their wrongful death suit with the village of Pleasantville and Aaron Hess. The village paid $6 million.
3: It's in a trust. We won't touch it. It's, it's blood
4: money to us. Blood money. They want you to put a dollar amount on your child's life. How can you do that? There is no appropriate amount.
8: In 2017, the Henrys also settled the wrongful death suit with the town of Mount Pleasant for an undisclosed amount. But they got something more valuable to them, a public apology.
4: They wanted to apologize in private, but we felt that they mischaracterized our son in public, so the apology should be made public. Knowing that even in his death they continued to bash his name and say such negative things is is just adding salt to the wound. The
8: town released this statement, which read, in part, quote, The town regrets any statement made on its behalf in the immediate aftermath of the incident and regrets the misimpression of D.J. Henry those statements may have caused.
2: If it were up to me, I wouldn't even want them to say anything. They've said enough. By what they've done, they've said enough.
8: But something big was achieved. Seven long years after the tragic death of their promising young son, the Henrys cleared Dan Roy Henry Jr.'s name.
4: It was important because we knew who our son was and is.
8: Do you consider that public apology an admission of
3: guilt? Yes. I mean, that's how we took it. I think in the public apology they say it's not, but that's how we took it.
8: But the fact remains that no criminal charges were brought in D.J. Henry's case. Aaron Hess went into private security. When you do think about Officer Hess, what are your thoughts?
4: I'm praying that at some moment in his life, he will fall to his knees and ask for forgiveness for what he did. And I pray that he never has to deal with it with his children.
3: I I try not to think about him. Mm-hmm. I try not to. Good evening! My name is Dan Henry.
8: Through their sorrow, the Henrys have found a way to honor their son's memory. In 2011, they started a charity called
4: the DJ Henry Dream Fund. the foundation was a way to honor our son's love of fitness and sports.
8: The fund sponsors children in need from New England to attend summer camps and programs. So far, it has given away over half a million dollars to deserving kids.
3: I mean, what moves me the most is when kids that come and tell their stories say thank you to Danny. That's powerful.
8: DJ Henry's life was powerful. Childhood friend Brandon Cox keeps a wristband. It says, This is to the
11: memory of Dan Roy Henry. No matter what, I'm going to remember him. He's a part of me forever.
8: Today, the Henrys spend a lot of time on Martha's Vineyard. They came here as a family when DJ was alive. Now they keep him alive in their hearts with a memorial bench that overlooks the ocean.
4: I try not to get sad.
8: Yeah. What do you want people to remember about
3: DJ, about Danny? I want them to remember his life, not his death. I want them to remember the, the, the giving, kind, nurturing loving spirit that he is we should know that he would have done great things if he was here destined for great things amazing person that this world lost.
2: danny would walk around the house and say i have to travel i don't have the time you know i have to do this i don't have the time and we would look at him and say "You, you have all the time you have your whole life In his mind, I think he knew that maybe he wasn't supposed to be here on this earth in a physical form for very long, that he was maybe supposed to help in a different way.
4: I know that there's more. I just know at the end of the day I'll get to be with him again.
8: Chief Louis Alagno retired in 2013 in 2015, New York State law changed. Police shootings of unarmed civilians are now automatically assigned to a special
1: prosecutor.
0: That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy,
5: like answering some easy
0: questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes.
3: Talk about starting the morning right.
0: Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit
5: Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah.
4: What
12: makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? (laughs) Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But You'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
0: He was dead over 40
11: times. This is, I want to make sure you're dead, absolutely dead, completely, not elite dead.
10: Who would want to kill my son? Today is 22 years. You just take the facts where they lead you. 48 Hours, next on CBS.
0: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to the 48 Hours podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey.
13: Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.
5: On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm
7: investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery.
9: It was really hard to
7: understand what was fact and what was not